Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back, guys. Uh, it's good to have you again, and good to see you again, Eki. After uh, I think we skipped a week of recording, we had one stowed away last week after the G3 conference. But uh, that was a good conference. It was it was a great conference. Uh, we met a lot of uh, people that we had never met before, but people that uh, we know from Twitter and uh, and just a great time of fellowship and encouragement. Um, and, and I love just being at a conference where my wife could be there as well and, and she could enjoy it and your wife as well. So it was, it was just a great all around family conference once every two years, um, they have that national conference. So for anyone listening, and if you've ever thought about being there at G3, uh, I would highly recommend it. Definitely a worthwhile conference, great speakers, great, um, you know, and, and we even got a chance to visit Josh Bice's church, uh, the, um, the following Sunday, Paul Washer was there, James Coates there. So just a wonderful time, uh, highly recommended. Yeah, absolutely. I I love it. We don't do, we don't go to a whole lot of conferences, but I love it when my wife can come with me um, for multiple reasons. One is she's far more likable than I am, and uh, so <laughs> when people meet her, they instantly like me more by default. But <laughs> anyway, I, I joke and tell people our marriage is a bit like a Christmas cactus. Uh, I'm I'm the prickly thorns, and she's the pretty flower. And so, uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I can relate to that myself. <laughs> it it works out well. Well, brother, we've got a I think a really good uh, topic this morning, and that's the topic of how to apply the scriptures to our lives. Um, it, you know, I think the majority of us preach with probably not a lot of personal application. We uh, there's implication, and we hope that people kind of learn, right, to think through the scriptures and ask the questions. Um, but, it, you know, to be honest, as time goes on, and I think our culture has lent itself to less and less thinking, right, less and less logic and reasoning, I've, I've found probably, you know, maybe over the, ten, the last 10 years or so in my own life and in pastoring and in the church, I don't see as many folks really taking the time to learn how to process scriptures. And so when uh, things come up in their lives, when you get to voting, when you get to sending your money uh, in support to some places, I'm finding less and less people really know how the scriptures come to bear on their life and their practice. Has that been your experience at all? Do you see something different? No, I, I think that's right on. Uh, we're, we're battling greater and greater biblical illiteracy um, now more than ever. I mean, the generation that I grew up uh, with, and, and I'm close to 50 years old, I'll be 50 next year. But I think most of the people in my generation had at least um, had exposure to the Bible, had um, heard the gospel at least somewhere. And uh, and now today's generation, um, they don't. Uh, they, they have almost no exposure. They, they don't uh, have even the most uh, basic understanding of who Jesus Christ is, why he came. And I think that even spills into people who end up coming to the church. Uh, we, we live in kind of this um, fast food digital culture where we want everything now. And as soon as we're done with one thing, we move right on to the next. Well, application is one of those things that that takes time. It takes it takes meditation, really some thought and reflection. And when I say meditation, I'm not talking about the Far Eastern version of meditation where you empty your mind of everything, but rather the Christian meditation, the biblical meditation, in which you are filling up your mind with the words of Christ and thinking through how it applies to your life and and uh, and how it applies to you know the decisions you make and the priorities you have and all that. And 
And I think I, I've been grieved to see just um, a, a lot of examples of pastors out there who are misapplying the scriptures, who are taking things out of context, and that certainly doesn't bode well for people that listen to those speakers and uh, then end up doing the same thing. And on top of that, um, the scriptures aren't taught in context, so it's very easy to take it out of context. We know that is a common problem with the health, wealth, and prosperity movement, you know, the Joel Osteens of the world. So, definitely, um, definitely a big problem. And, and so, even though those within the church who are going to a good Bible teaching church, it is imperative that you not only hear what the pastor says about the passage and any application principles that he might bring uh, bring as a part of that message, but to really carefully think uh, of other ways that it may apply to your lives as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is, uh, it's a big issue. And we hear a lot of words like biblical ethics, especially this last couple of years. And I'm not sure that people know what to do with that. But, um, you know, when we talk about biblical ethics, we're really just talking about being concerned with how we ought to live our lives according to scripture, right? How do we apply the morals and values and character in scripture to our own lives. Uh, that's really just what we're talking about when we mention biblical ethics. Uh, but I find a lot of people are just kind of waiting on someone to tell them, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Primarily, mm-hmm. I think, because we don't know the scriptures. Uh, and then secondarily, I think hermeneutics is just terrible. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that the, the, the church has at large done a very good job of teaching people how to rightly interpret scriptures. And so, like you said, if you interpret scripture wrong, if you take things out of context, if you don't apply it, um, if you don't teach it appropriately, then when you go get to the application stage, you're going to mess that up too, right? And so, you get the Stephen Furtick's who is teaching people that they're David and they have a Goliath to slot to slay. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. And, and uh, I'd add on top of that too, just you know, I was talking about the kind of the fast food culture. We love, this is a culture that loves shortcuts. You know, I mean, how often um, do you go on and then you see commercials about get rich, quick, quick schemes? You know, I, I can't even watch like a video on YouTube uh, for a day without being inundated with this, these uh, ads about how, you know, they were making $50,000 a month just working from home. And uh, you see that, uh, for instance, with diet, you know, take these pills, follow this plan, you're going to lose a whole bunch of weight. Yeah. You know, so we, we love taking these kinds of shortcuts uh, rather than recognizing that, you know, good things take time. It takes takes effort. And with the scriptures, I think the scriptures really emphasize the use of our mind, um, right? I mean, even Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, that you're laying aside the old self that is being corrupted. Um, you're you're putting on the new self created in righteousness, but in between, um, you you are renewing the spirit of your mind. And that's something that has been lost today, especially with all these smartphone devices, tablets. Um, we're not in the habit uh, of using our mind, but for us as believers, um, that's that's part of uh, that's that's part of being a Christian is just renewing that mind, helping it to to, to grow, and and it can't grow just by shortcuts and quick quick schemes, but it comes by careful thought and meditation upon God's truth. Yeah, and you know, and so I think it. You know, it's always been important that we as Christians in in America. You know, so we're in we're in the Western context, right? Specifically in America, which is even different than much of the rest of the West. 
Um, that's changing, but nonetheless, it's always been important that we know how to apply the scriptures to our own lives. You know, how do we live out what's being preached on Sunday morning? Um, how, how does that, you know, how is that renewing us? What's our part to play uh, in, in those things? And certainly, we do have a part to play. We're told to be obedient in all of our, you know, we're told to be holy in all our behavior. Um, there are commands in scripture. There's uh, all of those things. But I think now, even more than in times past, uh, as our country changes, as I think we're seeing, um, you know, our nation's being handed over to wickedness and it's being destroyed. Um, I, I don't think anyone can deny that, regardless of where you are, you know, on the political spectrum. Um, I think you look at uh, John MacArthur hit the nail on the head. Uh, when you look at scripture and those times where uh, God's judgment comes down on nations, we see the same things uh, in our nation now. And I think times are coming where it's going to be even more important that your everyday Christian, you know, we're not talking about pastors, theologians, academics, um, are able to reason through the scriptures themselves well and come to a conclusion on how that applies to them, to their families. Um, a lot of the chaos in the church now, uh, a lot of the worry, the stress, the anxiety now comes from uh, the lack of the ability to rightly apply the scriptures. Uh, and this, and by the way, a uh, plug for biblical counseling. This is all the biblical counseling is, right, is pointing people to the truth of scripture and helping right. them learn how to apply that to their lives. Uh, I think it's going to become more and more important. Um, you know, right now, all over the nation, people are asking, Christians are asking questions like, well, um, what do I do about my job? Do I move my family? Uh, what, what does God think about this? How do I respond to medication that, uh, you know, fetal cells have been used? How do I, yeah. you know, all of those questions uh, can be answered, uh, you know, by reasoning through what's in the scripture and, and then applying it to our lives. And a lot of times it's issues of just conscience, right? It's yeah. not a sin issue one way or the other, uh, but you need to know that. Because on one side, we see that. On another side, we see people that are um, actually encouraging others to go against their conscience and right. twisting scripture. Um, and so, we have both of those things. Yeah, and, and I just uh, saw a tweet from Mike Riccardi, Grace Community Church, and he talked about how um, you know those who ex emphasize the need to love your neighbor um, will often be the first ones to call you names if you don't support the way you think you should love your neighbor. And, and that's what happens when we take our own convictions and we start to bind other people's conscience um, over it. But that ties back, as your point was made, is that that ties back to knowing scripture because we do have freedom in Christ, um, but you won't know where that freedom starts or ends unless you understand the scriptures. And the scriptures, as you mentioned, they provide a lot of good biblical principles. And in the case of the vaccine, both you and I have often said, look, if you feel convicted that uh, that you need to take the vaccine, take it. If you feel convicted that you shouldn't take it, don't take it. But there are factors to take into account, such as the use of fetal cells. Uh, we don't partake in anything that is involved with the abortion industry, right? And uh, and, and I think we have been uh, told that for the two main vaccines, for example, Pfizer and Moderna, that that wouldn't be an issue, um, that the research has been done that hasn't been an issue. And then we just saw this whistleblower um, the last few days come forth and say, well, actually fetal cells were used and uh, and, and it's being covered up um, by Pfizer executives. Um, that's Project Veritas uh, just released yeah. that recently. Now, as an example, just use that as, that as an example. For those of you 
who already were convicted to take the vaccine and you took the Pfizer vaccine, not knowing that, you know, I would say that you you aren't guilty um, because you were operating on good conscience based upon what you thought um, was uh, was right. And you you weren't given this kind of information. But for those that now know that uh, now, I, I think you have to evaluate a little bit differently, yeah. differently, at the very least for the uh, the Pfizer vaccine. And, uh, and so, yeah, all those things come into play, but it, it requires you knowing the scriptures and, and knowing where it is you have freedom and where it, where it does indeed come down to your conscience, because there isn't a specific verse that yeah. says, thou shalt do this or not do this, right? Yeah, this is a perfect example. And so, we've been talking about it and guys are like, wait, you're talking about practical application. Do you want to give us some practical application? <laughs> yeah. um, and, 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 you know, typically, like I mentioned earlier, we, we don't typically preach with a lot of practical application, at least most of us because it's impossible to touch on every individual circumstance. Right. And um, let, let me just make the point, while we, we never contextualize scripture, meaning we don't change the meaning of scripture depending on who is listening, we do contextualize the application of scripture. Um, and I think that's very important. Um, and so let's just use this example of the uh, the, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine that came out on Project Veritas. And and so I'm going to speak to this as someone who I, I watched uh, uh, that clip in brief, but I haven't done a whole lot of extra study. And and so I think this and you. So you're probably a little more familiar with me, but maybe this can be a good exercise to help people. Um, learn how to apply the scripture. So uh, for me personally, as someone who doesn't know much more than um, I think what I heard is that they at least used uh, it in testing, right? Maybe not the actual development. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but in testing. And, and so there's some questions I want to know, right? At first, I want to say, does the scripture speak to the issue explicitly? Uh, well, it, it does not, right? It doesn't talk about vaccines, doesn't talk about th- those sort of things. Um, it, it, are there any implications uh, in scripture? Well, we understand abortion is murder, right? And yeah. so um, w- we can ask those questions. Did it require abortion uh, to make this vaccine? Um, I think the answer is no. Uh, but the, so this is just kind of to help folks with process, right? Uh, yeah. Questions. I mean, really, we just need to learn how to ask a lot of questions. Um, right. Right. Is there a difference between if the vaccine was uh, was designed and created without abortion, um, but they chose to test it using fetal cells? Uh, well, there is a difference in that, um, right? And And this would be one of those places where when you ask questions, you come up with the understanding that, all right, well, um, uh, let's just say that the government decides to start poisoning people with aspirin. Um, Can I no longer take aspirin? No, because I'm not responsible with with what they do with the medication themselves after that medication has been made. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, if they've tested these vaccines on humans, on animals, on using whatever they're using, uh, I, I'm not bound uh, biblically for how and why they've tested those things. I would, however, have issue uh, again if the creation of it required, uh, you know, uh, abortion. So the, just the all these questions we have to we have to ask: um, who, what, where, why, when? We've got out of the habit of asking those questions of reasoning, um, and and we need to do it from a vantage point of having set our emotions aside. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, truth. We, we want to come to truth. 
Um, it, none of us are, are, are unbiased. That's just not a human possibility. So anytime someone says that, it just run. Um, but, you know, we, we can focus in on truth and on scripture and, and at least minimize our emotions and things uh, because scripture doesn't change. And our emotions and what we perceive to be true um, can lie. We oftentimes just don't have all the information, which like this, this is a perfect example, Yeah. right? right. Um, we did not have this information. So for those who are, were, um, and who were very bold at the beginning, clearly stating as an absolute fact, no, uh, there was no usage, uh, of, of, you know, uh, fetal cells in this associated with these vaccines at all. Well, guess what? Now you come to find out that you were wrong, Right. right? Um, and, and that's that's not to put any condemnation on anyone, but it's a good example to say, look, even what we think we know um, may not really be the truth. Um, and, and so we should ask a lot of questions. I'm glad you brought yeah. the point about conscience because that, right. you know, that's a good example. Yeah. And, and that's um, it's especially true now. I mean, we're seeing and obviously some people make the case that um, there's never been a time where you could trust media and all that. And and I would agree to with that for to, to some extent, just on the basis of the fact that men are sinners, they're going to have um, implicit bias that they yeah. bring into everything. But we've certainly seen that on a large scale now. And there's a lot of information that's going both ways that really uh, it, it can be very difficult to decipher what is the truth and what isn't. Um, and, and that's why we, we have to lean even more into the scriptures, because while the world continues to push narratives from each side of which we don't know what is true or what is not, there is something that we can be absolutely certain of, and that is the word of God. The word of God is true. It's unchanging and it can be known just by studying it. And so we that's why we have to lean upon the word of God, read the word of God. But as we apply it uh, to the world, recognize that you know what, we're, we're doing the best we can based upon the information that we have. And I, I encourage people that, especially when you're making important decisions in your life, that you don't make such decisions in a vacuum. Um, you have a church body, um, talk to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, talk to your pastors, your elders, um, get their feedback on, on some of these major decisions. Um, don't ever think that even though you've got the scriptures that you can just kind of go into a cave and make your own major decision without hearing out anyone else. Um, and fortunately, we have more uh, more access, and that could be both a blessing and a curse, but we have more access to more resources than ever before, to, to sermons, to articles, um, to good and godly people and, and some of their um, some of their opinions, and especially when it comes to Christian ethics. So we have access to a lot of um, a lot of resources. Now, of course, you can get lost in that, and you want to be sure that you're going to resources that you trust as well. So that that's a part of that as well. But we we certainly have enough information around us that you don't want to just make your own decision and uh, and run the risk of um, of you know maybe bringing too much of your own bias into play, maybe relying too much on emotion. Um, and those are things that we, we often don't intend to do, but can easily happen. Yeah. And, you know, neither one of us are under the illusion that we don't all do that. Right. I mean, we all make emotional decisions. And, and so we, we understand that. Um, but so th this is a great example of, you know, application when you get new information that is, you know, in opposition to what you thought uh, before. Yeah. But let's just talk about a couple other topics and kind of run through the same thing. And, you know, I, our hope in doing this is just to give you some tools um, so that as more difficult questions come up in the future, and I, I think all of us understand that yeah. they will, that they're coming, um, right. very difficult things. And I think even more 
difficult than what we're seeing now uh, because, um, I, I mean, if you know anything about world history, uh, governments don't give up power. Right. Um, When you have wicked rulers, if you understand the human condition, that doesn't change. Right. Other than a renewed heart, um, which only Christ can do. And and so the ball's rolling downhill and that's going to continue in our country, I think, um, unless God has mercy on us and does something. But so we're going to need to know how to think. Um, but l- let's talk about a couple other topics that we're familiar with. Um, abortion, right? I mean, these shouldn't yeah. be um, difficult topics. And, and, you know, if you know anything of the scriptures, you're already against abortion, right? Um, but, ha- but there are professing Christians who mm-hmm. have taken the other position. Um, I, it's so clear. Um, but again, I think for a lot of people, it's not just a plain issue of abortion, right? Um, But we have to go to Scripture and ask the question, what does God say about taking an innocent life? Well, you have to come to that conclusion first, right? What is abortion? Abortion is the taking of an innocent life. All right, you've got to define it that way. Um, And then you go to the Scripture. Does the Scripture speak to that explicitly? Well, actually, it does speak to that issue explicitly. It's abundantly clear. Yeah, um, yeah and, and I think even even um, more fundamental than the fact that you're taking innocent life is recognizing that life begins at conception. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, start there. That from the moment of conception, and and that even can be uh, even if you were to try to make a, a purely scientific argument, um, DNA is established um, at conception. Um, everything that makes a person human that we can measure from a scientific standpoint is true uh, from the point of, of conception. Um, so we, we start with the fact that we know that from conception, that's human life. And then the question becomes, okay, when it comes to abortion, when is it legal to take human life? And, and that's, that's really the question that must be asked when people want to bring in a lot of the emotional um, kind of uh, situations such as, such as rape or, or things like that. Yeah, and legal according to God, right? Yes. Not yeah. men. Um, I I think we have a large, uh, well, maybe not as large as we think, which is good. But you have a certain group in the Christian, professing Christians, who would argue that you know abortion isn't um, against God's law because it's legal. So it's not illegal. It's not an right. unlawful act. But we don't define law um, based on what man does because right. man often um allows evil and calls it call uh, calls it you know lawful um abortion is a is one of those examples homosexual so-called marriage is another one of those things neither one does god recognize as anything other than absolutely evil um and uh yeah and so we have to go to the scriptures now <clears throat> where we often see people have problems and where i have is when you add emotional things to it, right? So now yeah. um, your daughter decides to have an abortion, and and so you feel pitted. Uh, you know, you you want to maintain relationship, and so uh, there's you know two two ways people see that. Uh, either you have to break relationship with your daughter, um, or you have to accept what she's doing. Well, neither one of those have to really happen, right? Um, yeah. But again, we have to take time to kind of reason through the scriptures. I think having a hermeneutical conversation is good for folks. Hermeneutics is not just for pastors, not just for yeah. theologians, not just for academics. Right. 
Um, in fact, can you, can you just define hermeneutics for us, Eki, when we say that? What yeah, are we yeah. talking about? Yeah, hermeneutics, hermeneutics is a, a real big and fancy sounding word, um, but it really just talks about the principles of how we interpret the Bible. And uh, if you were to take a class on hermeneutics or read a book on hermeneutics, which, by the way, I would highly recommend, um, get a good one. Um, grasping God's word is a good one. Um, the hermeneutical spiral is another good good one. There's one that yeah. uh, um, uh, I, I forgot, Abner Chow uh, with TMU. He just published a book on hermeneutics that I hear is excellent as well. So I highly recommend reading a good book on hermeneutics. But the more you learn about hermeneutics, the more you realize it, it's really just the the, um, the 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 steps that we go through to make sure we try to interpret the text the way it was intended to be understood. Um, everyone has a purpose in writing. Um, if you write a letter to someone, you have a specific purpose, a specific audience, a message you want to get across. And if um, something is misunderstood there, they're not just free to interpret whatever misunderstandings they want, but you're going to try to correct that and say, no, this is what I meant by that. So hermeneutics is just seeking to um, to, to apply sound interpretation principles that allows us to understand from the text what God intended for us to understand. Yeah, and we're really talking about simple concepts and yes. ideas. Like you said, the, the word you know might sound a little bit frightening to some, but I, I mean, we're talking about some things just like that. one hermeneutical principle is that Scripture is the best interpreter of other Scriptures, yeah. right? Uh, I, I mean, another is that no text of Scripture will contradict another text of scripture. I mean, so these are very simple contexts. So don't be, you know, put off by by the language. Um, but absolutely grasping God's word is a good one. Um, I, I didn't know Abner Chow had had a publication out. Um, but, but these are the things that as time goes on, um, you know, you want to be able to listen to what's being preached on Sunday morning, listen to what's being taught Wednesday evening, and be able to go home with your family. Men, this is your responsibility. Go home yeah. with your family and help them um, to be able to apply what's being taught, what's being preached. Uh, and, and this is how we do that. Um, fundamentally, just asking a lot of questions, right? What does this mean for our life? How does this apply to my job? Um, yeah. It, it, you know, and now we've got questions of um, I'm being coerced for. Well, let's take another real one here that I don't yeah. think we've talked about. And we've got friends who are on both sides of this. So now lots of businesses are coercing their people um, yeah. to take a vaccine and forget about the vaccine for a moment. Um, the, the issue a lot of people are struggling with is you know, my, my conscience in my conscience, I don't want to take this vaccine for whatever reason, X, Y, Z. Um, it, it is a conscience issue. So you cannot condemn someone for coming to that conclusion. Uh, what do I do? Right. And so you have people who have been adamantly opposed, uh, you know, for themselves and their family taking a vaccine who are now saying, well, if I don't, right, I know everyone wants us all to stand up against uh, everything and, and that's fine, but set that aside. Um, the person sitting at home with his family is saying, if I don't take this, right, uh, yeah. how, how do we right. pay our mortgage? How do I feed my children? Right. Um, well, let's just, I mean, we haven't talked about this before, right, the, the yeah, recording. The, so, so, yeah, th this is fresh between us. <laughs> yeah. So, let, let's, let's just think through this situation right. uh, together. Um, and I think one of the principles of application is understanding that whatever we say, <laughs> um, it, 
it, it could apply certainly differently to each and every yeah. individual based on where their conscience is and issues. But there are some fundamental principles that we can talk about here. Um, for for that man, it, you know, I've seen uh, folks that we know saying, "I'm I'm basically going to have to take the vaccine because who's going to pay my mortgage? Who's going to uh, care for my children?" Um, well, uh, honestly, that is one ad- admirable way to respond. Um, well, what do I mean? Now, I'm one of these guys that I would prefer to see everyone not take it, just destroy the business, and then they'll get some sense and they'll bring you back. Um, but that is my personal preference. That is not a biblical yeah. truth uh, or, or a mandate. Uh, so how is that admirable? Um, what, what, what do you think? What, what do you say um, for the man who is saying, well, um, I really don't want to take this. I, I, I see the health risks. I see all this, but yeah. my family's going to starve. We're going to be homeless. Um, is there anything biblical that speaks to that situation at all? How would we think through? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a really good question. And, and I couldn't point to a specific verse. I think this becomes a, a matter of conscience. So we go to Romans 14 and we go to 1 Corinthians 10 when it talks about meat sacrifice to idols, those kinds of things. Um, but but thinking about the conscience, uh, what I would say is this: I mean, um, the, the the government, I, I believe, has clearly o- overstepped its bounds because each person has the right to make the decision what they think is best for their own personal health, and and that's even assumed in Scripture when when we read that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, or even in Ephesians five when it talks about a husbands should take care of their wife the way they take care of their own lo- mm-hmm. their own body, right? Love your wife the way you yeah. love your own body, and the idea is that it's already assumed that you're going to. Do what is best for yourself, and so when a person has um, has that kind of freedom, um, they're going to make just by human nature, they're going to make decisions that they think are going to be best um, for for their own body if if that is their goal. And um, and I say that because you know obviously you can get into obesity and and there are things that we we do to ourselves that sure. that we know are not good but we do them anyway. But I, I think the vaccine is one of those things that um, someone needs to be. Um, convicted in their own mind that that's going to be the best path forward. And uh, and the problem with scripture, even though we're told to submit to government, we don't have examples um, in scripture where government is um, is forcing upon its subjects to say that you need to um, take this for your own health. Uh, I mean, in yeah. fact, if you were to look at uh, dietary restrictions, we we know examples from the book of Daniel, right? Where Daniel and and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they, they refused to eat uh, the kind of foods that, um, that that uh, the Babylonian uh, government, that Babylonian king wanted them to, to eat. So I, I do think that um, matters of conscience plays in a, a role in this. And, and I believe government has overstepped its bounds. That's my personal yeah. conviction. But I also understand um, that each man has a responsibility to provide for their own yeah. family as well. And, um, and, and no one else is going to do that for you. That, that's your responsibility. We, we are called to work. We are called to provide. We are called to mm-hmm. lead. And I believe that when the government gets in the way of that, um, yeah. your first priority is to make sure that you can provide for your own family. So, and in this case, when we talk about the vaccine, the government is actually trying to mandate it. Um, but if you're in a situation where you don't see how you can supply or provide for your family, um, then I, I think you're completely justified to say, you know what, I don't, I don't believe we should be taking this vaccine, but I'm going to take it anyway because yeah. I need to need to provide for my family. And on the flip side, um, and, and I know this is uh, true with my wife. My wife is a 
pharmacist. Um, she she knows a lot about um, pharmaceuticals and and how vaccines work and all that kind of stuff. And um, and and for her, her concern, uh, you know, as it relates to someone like me, is like, okay, what if you are subject to the side effects? What if mm-hmm. your life is forever changed? Um, that affects the people that you provide yeah. as well. Yeah. So there there are risks on on both sides that we're talking about, and only the individual and, and as well as his family, uh, along with um, whoever else that he goes to as a counselor, those are things that um, each individual has to be able to come to a decision on, and it's not yeah. something that you should bind someone else's conscience over. Yeah, absolutely. And well, so we've got two kind of big issues here. We've got an understanding in how you apply Romans 13. And this is how yeah. I know we don't know how to apply scripture anymore uh, because <laughs> right. we've been hearing Romans 13 applied poorly for quite a while. Um, it, but then we have another issue. When I think of this scenario, I mean, one of the first things I think of biblically is First uh, uh, Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he yeah. has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So um, let me just say, if you are... Uh, condemning someone for taking the vaccine to provide for his family, stop it. You're wrong. Right. You're wrong. Um, And uh, I don't mean to be harsh about that, but, um, you know, for the man who is saying he's looking around, he's seeing all the opportunities he has and he's saying, I really don't want to take this. Um, And in counsel and speak with his family, he comes to the conclusion that, that there is most certain risk uh, of not yeah. being able to care for my family, feed my children, um, versus a uh, maybe a smaller risk, but nonetheless some risk of side effects from a vaccine. And he decides, look, um, whatever I do, I'm going to have to do in faith, and so I'm going to trust God in taking this vaccine um, because right now it is the best way I know to make sure I can still feed my children and keep right. them warm and keep a roof over the head. In fact. Um, that man is wholly right in the sight yes. of God, if that's his thing. And so we do actually have some scripture to put behind the principle of the thing. But these are how we, I mean, this is how we have to kind of reason through uh, these scriptures. Um, and then I would say on, on, on the other side, right, um, if you have uh, someone who is saying, and um, you know, the, the, the family's in agreement, you know, the husband and wife, and they say, no, we think that we want to sacrifice um, no. for the sake of what we think is better for our country. Um, and this is one way that we can contribute uh, because, you know, all throughout history to, to change governments and um, communities and things, was, people have to sacrifice. And yeah. if if that's the conclusion they've come to and they've chosen to suffer together for the sake of um, what's good and what's right, then also that's fine. Uh, and I think they're right before God to do that because they're still also going to have to trust God. So either you do, you know, the point is whatever you do, you do in faith, right? You do for the glory right. of God. Um, right. And if it's done in that way, um, then you can have both of those situations be a good and godly situation. Um, and so we have preferences, but our preferences aren't biblical truths. They're just that preferences. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think I always cringe a little when someone says, well, you, sh- you know, you shouldn't have taken the vaccine. You should have just let them fire you. Okay. Uh, is your church going to pick up their mortgage right. while they're going through a lawsuit? Are you going to pay for their lawyer? Um, right. I, I mean, it, it's easy to say you should have done this, 
Um, and I think sometimes we lose any sympathy or empathy for folks um, in those situations. Uh, now, sometimes it is very simple. Uh, you can't do this. Um, Christians can't support abortion. That, that's just, we don't even need to have that debate. Uh, it's clear in scripture, but this is not one of those things. This is a thing where people genuinely struggle to apply the scripture and people lose sleep over not being, not understanding how to apply scripture to their circumstance, right? We've been seeing it for weeks and months now. Um, but these are the questions. So if you're out there and you're facing those decisions, then, you know, I think first know that whatever you do, you do for the glory of God, right? That, that, that's a principle in life. Yeah. And, and then I would say the second thing is whatever you do, you must do in faith. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, those two things need to happen. And then beyond that, you go to the scriptures and you just simply ask those questions. And so um, it, if your choice forces you to be um, in a situation where you are not caring for your family, um, well, then, then that's not a choice you, you need to make, right? You have yeah. to be able to care for your family. Uh, right. that, that's a duty responsibility that scripture makes clear. Um, and so that doesn't make your choice easy, right? No. Um, doesn't make your choice easy. And you're going to have to trust God one way or the other. You know, for those who uh, are coerced and they decide that they need to take the vaccine for the sake of their family, they're going to have to trust God that they don't experience um, so- permanent side effects, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or if they do, that God is still going to sustain right. them and provide for them, right? Absolutely. Um, because if you, if you die from the vaccine, then who's going to take care of your family? Uh, right. Versus the other side, if you decide not to um, and, you know, and both couple agree and you have counsel and it seems like that's a, you know, that's something that you can do right before God, then you've still got to trust God. So either way, um, you're trusting God, you're doing it in faith, you're doing it for his glory. You can come to different conclusions and we should respect both of those. Yeah. And, and uh, to your point, a couple of verses, First um, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, that's whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do all to the glory of God. And in yeah. that chapter is the debate about uh, what, what you are or are not allowed to eat or drink. And Paul says, look, as a Christian, um, you can eat whatever you want. All foods are clean. But for the sake of the conscience of your uh, weaker brethren, um, you don't want to eat or drink anything that's going to cause them to stumble. And then Romans chapter 14, verse 23 uh, reads, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and whatever is not from faith is sin. Um, and so th- the bottom line is this, as we go through these situations, um, there, there isn't always a moral right or moral wrong. Um, you've got to go to the scriptures to decide that. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, abortion, hey, that's clear cut. But in, in this kind of issue with the vaccine mandate, um, do you take the vaccine in order to be able to supply for your family? Or do you not take the vaccine and, and trust that God is going to provide some other way to provide? Remember that you're going to stand before God. And as you cycle through this, just come to the decision that, that you think that your conscience um, is, is the most comfortable with after you've thought about all these things. And then just recognize that that verse says, whatever is not from faith is sin. So if you're, yeah. if you're doing it to, in faith that you've thought about it, you've prayed about it, and you believe that this is going to be the best way for you to glorify God, and it's not violating any clear biblical principles, um, then you're fine. And, and I, I think that at the end of all, all this, um, I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of people that went one way as well as the other that neither of them are going to be condemned by God for their decision here. Now, they may be condemned for other decisions that are much more clear, but in this case, yeah. I think you can go either way. But what you don't want to do is to go against your own conscience. 
So if your conscience says one thing, but you're being uh, maybe guilt tripped uh, by someone else, manipulated by someone else into doing something else, then guess what? Uh, it is sin before God because you're not doing it from faith. Yeah. And, you know, this is just one of those things where you made a good statement, right? There are a lot of times we have choices uh, available to us where it is, there's no moral consideration. Um, and, and I think this is one of those things. Now, I'll be quick to say that, um, you know, I, I would love to see, I mean, look, we have a tyrannical government. I, I don't think anyone with any sense can deny that. Um, I, I would love to see people stand up. And uh, so, this thing bring us to the Romans 13. Um, and rightfully, um, I think in humility um, and without arrogance and uh, combativeness, fight against this stuff. And you've got to have enough people to do that to have an effect. That That's just right. That, Right. That, that's just how it works. Um, if you have one airline pilot who says he's not showing up for work, it doesn't matter. Uh, but when you have a couple hundred or thousand or whatever, uh, well, you, you just shut down an airline and then people start listening. So um, I, I'm not advocating for revolting and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, but, let, but this brings us to the Romans 13 issue is really where I want to get to. This is another one where I think we can just kind of walk through and help people understand Maybe the the method of getting to an application. Um, I w- one of the the largest things problems I've seen with folks interpreting Romans thirteen um, is they have forgotten that we interpret this in our own context, and you we must. We don't have a sovereign in this nation. Uh, no. We do not have a king, and it matters. And so w- when we when we talk about submitting to authority. Right. We have to first ask the question, well, who is our authority? If you go to the Jordan, you have a king as an authority. Um, And so you apply that quite a bit differently than you would here. Well, in America, we also have authority. Who's our highest authority? Well, it's actually the Constitution. Yes. Um, How do we know that? Well, because uh, every law that gets challenged that eventually goes to the Supreme Court, they're looking to see if it's in line with the Constitution. This is not rocket science. Um, right. So that is our highest authority. Uh, so if you want a Romans 13, then you Romans 13 looking towards the Constitution. This is how we rightly apply that. If you do it otherwise, th- then you're misunderstanding how to rightfully apply um, a biblical principle in your context. Uh, again, if we had a king, w- we would have a different discussion. Um, right. You know, if you live in North Korea, we'll have a different discussion. Right. right. Um, and yes, it would be a much harder discussion, I think, even than for us. Um, but y- you can't look at those places. You- you've got to apply it in our context. And so, no, um, w- when our government um, goes against, supersedes, denies our ruling document, the Constitution. Um, yeah, we submit to our government, the Constitution. That's why we're able to challenge things uh, with lawsuits in our courts. That's what those things are for. The Apostle Paul did this very thing, by the way. He used Roman law in his ability to appeal no, to Caesar. To Caesar, that's right. Right. Um, so again, if you want a Romans 13, let's go to the apostle Paul's example who actually used the Roman legal system, um, to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish or really what God had for him to accomplish. Uh, but this is one of those areas, right? Um, and, and so, well, how do you get there? You back up and you ask a lot of questions. Romans 13 is in the Bible. Nobody can deny it. Um, but then who is our authority? 
I mean, that's one of the first questions you've got to ask, right? And if you answer that question incorrectly, your application will be misapplied. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good point. And uh, one of the ways that we miss out on this point is when we start to um, compare, for instance, believers in China versus believers here in America. Um, because uh, look, if I was born and raised in China, if we were in China right now, this is the, the discussion is a non-starter. If they're yeah. saying that you must take the vaccine, you must take the vaccine. It's as simple as that. Um, but in this country, um, the people that are mandating it, the president and his administration, they actually don't have the constitutional authority to mandate what they're mandating. Um, they're actually going against the constitution, which was put in place in order to protect the freedoms of this country. And so when we talk about loving your neighbor, often people will use that loving your neighbor um, in order to support the mandate. Um, but I think there's another side where, you know, you, you want to love your neighbor by preventing an administration from going beyond the bounds of what the Constitution um, was written to allow. And we're getting very dangerous to the point where the Constitution is just going to become completely irrelevant. Now, if it becomes irrelevant, this turns into a completely socialistic state. Um, and uh, then the next generation, our children are in the middle of that. Well, it's going to be a different discussion for them as well. Yeah. Um, so I think you're right. I mean, in our situation, we don't have a king. We don't have a dictator. We have a constitution that's supposed to protect certain rights. So I don't see any problems with Christians saying, wait a second, the law of this land says this, and, um, and, and we are going to stand by this, we're going to, um, we're going to help fight for this. Um, whereas if the constitution wasn't there, if this was a completely different government, it, it's a completely different uh, discussion. So I agree with you there. I mean, when we look at uh, this, this passage, you know, there's um, it was John Stott um, it, when he was talking about hermeneutics that talked about two worlds, right? So when we yeah. interpret the scriptures, you want to have in your mind that there are two worlds that you're dealing with. One is the biblical world. You, you want to put yourself in that world as much as possible, understand their culture, their context, their history, the systems that they're operating under, and understand it as if you are in that world. And then once you've understood what the scriptures mean in that world, now your next role, your, your next responsibility is to now think about the world that we're in today and think about what part of what I've learned from the original context, what, how much of that actually applies to us today. And that requires, as we're talking about, it requires a lot of thinking. It requires thinking through some of the differences and, uh, and, and taking into account uh, the other parts of Scripture and what it says and how it all that weighs, weighs together. You know, as we're talking about this, I'm reminded that uh, of something Paul Washer talked about when he talked about reading your Bible. He refers to two types of reading your Bible, boots off and boots on. Um, and, and, you know, he talks about the boots off reading of your Bible where um, it, it's more of a casual, reflective, you're, you're reading through the scriptures just to fill yourself with the word of God, right? And, and we need that. Um, and he talks about the boots on reading your Bibles when you get out the concordance and you get out the language and you, you know, pull up your, um, you know, your, your computer and, and you really dig down into history, into word language, into words, into all those things. And we need to be doing both of those things. But if you're not doing boots on uh, study in your Bible, you're really going to struggle with how scripture applies to your life. Because these are questions that, I, I mean, it's kind of blown my mind uh, how many pastors have not asked the question of Romans 13. Okay, we have to submit to authority. We all agree. Who's the authority here? Yeah. It kind of blows my mind that so many have not asked that question. That That's just kind of a fundamental um, question when you think about how to apply this. 
and and eventually you get to our constitution and you work through those things. Um, and, and everything in our current society lends itself to being able to um, say no to things uh, if they go against our founding documents, right? At the moment. And, and so it's not even that... Um, the Constitution is our highest document, and we can just say no, but the Constitution uh, encourages and gives us a way to do that, yeah. right? Um, I, I mean, even to fight against our own government, should they become um, totalitarian, which is interesting, different uh, discussion for a different day, but um, yeah, and so when we think of Romans 13, that's another one. If you want to know how to apply that, um, you first need to find out who your authority is, and in our con- in our country, it's the Constitution. And as you say, um, it, you know, if I speak to a believer and they're from the Jordan, right, and they have a king, or they're from China, where they don't have what we have, or they're from some of these other nations with dictatorships, um, then their the application I'm I'm going to help them work through for Romans 13 is quite a bit different. It may mean they suffer quite a bit more than we do. And rightfully, before God, that's demanded, Um, you know, and and so you still have boundaries, right? Uh, No matter where you are, for instance, no government has the freedom to encroach and infringe on the operation of the church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, separa- that. that's, that's the true separation of church and state. It wasn't meant to prevent people who are a part of the church from weighing in on matters of the state. It was meant to prevent people yeah. from the state from getting involved with matters of the church. So if you have a king and the king says um, you can't meet as a Christian church, you meet anyway. Um, right. and, and, and then like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you willingly um, and in humility um, receive whatever punishment is is forced on you, uh, but in our government, if you know if the government says, well, that's the same, right? So in our government, when they say you can't meet, also we just meet anyway. Um, but so application matters, and in, in your context matters. I, I don't know. Can you think of another example? I mean, kind of hit abortion. That was I think that should have been the easier one. Romans thirteen has been a hard one for a lot of folks, but this is why you know you have so many pastors. Um, saying, well, Romans 13 doesn't apply. That's why, right? Because we right. understand who who, author- who the authority is here in the U.S. Um, homosexuality, well, th- this is another one, uh, right? Transgenderism, um, it, all of those things, again, it, how, how do you respond? How do, how do they apply to your life? Um, and some people think, well, that I don't really have to apply that. It's just wrong. Well, if you're a business owner, for instance, and you're a believer um, and you're being forced to, you know, cater to those things, then you have to apply it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just asking those same questions, what does the scripture say? Is it explicit? Is it implicit? Um, Are there issues of conscience involved here or is it just uh, plain in scripture and yeah and, and i've i've seen many cases where um christians have been invited to um to to weddings of um of uh, you know uh, maybe a homosexual quote-unquote wedding it's not a true wedding or you're um, a wedding where one's a believer and the other one's not a believer and you don't support uh the, you know their decisions and, and things like that you know th- those are questions where you have to take the same ethics into account the same kind of 
considerations into account. Um, am I am I standing against God? Am I glorifying God? What what is the position that's going to best glorify God? And, uh, and as you brought up the transgenderism, I'm, I'm thinking just recently there was the and I I think it's over now, but the Revoice Conference, right? And yeah. the Revoice uh, Conference and. Um, Based upon a report that um, I had read through a tweet thread, um, there was uh, a number of people going up there and they're just leading with their feelings and their emotions about how they feel about their gender. And um, non-binary genders were being embraced. Um, they were using pronouns to refer to one another and all that. And, and even someone um, weighing in as an outsider said that uh, he had once been to Revoice and it was very helpful for him, but he said it was helpful for him in the transition to coming out completely and uh, announcing himself as being a part of the LGBTQ kind of uh, community. Um, and, and so I, I would say that for a conference like that, we can't take part in that, um, where, the, where you're affirming non-binary pronouns because you're affirming something that is directly a lie. Um, God, yeah. From the very beginning, God made us male and female. There are only two genders, and that is determined um, at conception. Um, God already um, uh, ordained that, and so we don't, uh, we, we don't rebel against it. We don't entertain others who go against uh, those kinds of truths. Another one I can think of is... Um, you know, we talked about recently was it is the whole secular counseling. I, I, I've been getting a lot of flack on this over Twitter recently, just here and there, um, people challenging me on my position of, of secular counseling. But look, when you study secular counseling, uh, when, when you look at its origins going back to the 1800s, mm -hmm. it's based upon unbiblical worldviews from people that sought to deny God. And so yep. they had a unbiblical view of man, an unbiblical view of God, an unbiblical view of a man's problems, unbiblical view of change and, and how, how a person goes about uh, growing through uh, whatever it is that they're going through. And, and so when you look at that from, you know, you're weighing that with, with scripture, you got to realize that wait a second, there's a group of people here that don't believe God. They've come up with all these man-centered uh, ways to address problems. And then we have the scriptures that tell us that, um, that, that the word of God is sufficient so that the, that the man of God would be um, complete, right? So he's equipped for every good work. And so it's a matter of whether we believe the scriptures or not. And that's one of those areas that you got to look at that and say, look, if the scriptures say what they say, then we have to conclude that as it relates to our spiritual walk, we don't need anything um, that that's man-centered in order to inform it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I've gotten some some flack on that too. Uh, and in fact, I lost some opportunities in the local community over uh, over those issues. But it, it doesn't really matter. It, absolutely yeah. right. But I think you know, as we're talking about applying the scriptures, I mean, this is a good conversation because it comes back to being able to ask good and right questions. And, and I would just say, well, you know, dear Christian, why would you want to go to someone who denies, either denies the existence of God or hates God openly, um, who can't understand humanity and, and the foundational problems of humanity, um, who picks between over 400 different methods of counseling, uh, by the way, in the secular field, I forget the number now, but it's over 400, right? Um, yeah. So, that alone ought to tell you that it's just guesswork. Um, why would you want to go to someone like that as opposed to um, scripture, which is absolute truth from the one who made man, mm -hmm. who determines right, uh, right and wrong, uh, good and evil? Um, why would you pick that option? Well, you probably haven't asked that question before, because if you ask that question, it makes it quite a bit 
harder to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to go to the God hating one that doesn't really understand the issues of right. man instead of, <laughs> instead of God. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and just recently, let me just throw this in um, a fellow pastor. I think it was uh, Charles Johnson um, that mentioned that there is a new mental disorder that was kind of added to the official book of disorders and oh, yeah. it's called vaccine hesitancy. <laughs> And when you look at that, there's no question that, that that that's not coming from any scientific study. That's not coming from any any kind of measurement of, of the brain and being able to uh, assess in a scientific way um, a disorder. That that's that's purely a political agenda um, that that people want to just be able to throw in in order to further a certain narrative. And and so that that's what what happens when you when you are submitting yourself to um, a system or subjecting yourself to a system that's not based upon scripture. Now we're a gray area might be, it might be, I say might, I still don't think it's there, but some people might see it, is if you have someone who's what we call an integrationist, someone who um, is a Christian, um, they believe the Bible, they believe God's word, but they also believe there is some good out of secular psychology, and now it's their role to take what is good from secular psychology and mix it in with uh, with biblical wisdom. You know, if in those cases, I, I still would have a principle, uh, a principled um, objection to it because we're still trying to mix darkness with light. Um, but I can understand how someone might say, "Well, you know, at least I'm going to a believer, a Christian, and whatnot." And 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 I have heard stories of people that had positive experiences from that. Um, but I would, in my opinion, whatever positive experiences come from that is really by the grace of God and not because of those yeah. psychological methods. And if you say that we need those psychological methods, you, you've got to be able to answer how church, how, how the church was able to survive for 1800 years prior to the invention of these methods by atheists who hated God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think fundamentally, if you are using anything from, you know, uh, modern, you know, um, psychology, then you have to say, you, you, you have to say that in using that is proof that scripture alone is not sufficient. You, you have right. to say that. Yeah. Um, it, it's forced. And I, I think, you know, again, we would consider a lot of those brothers who would fit in the integrationist category as brothers. Um, and, but I mean, ultimately, again, you have to ask that question, right? If, if you believe scripture is sufficient, then why, why use this other, um, you can't really have both. And so you're, yeah. And, and I've, I, I did have, um, right. And I did have someone that, um, emailed me a few weeks back, um, and, and mentioned that, um, she had read a book uh, by an integrationist and, um, and that she really was helped by things that this person said about this, this, and this. And, and, and she kind of described the wisdom that she got out of that. And really, when I looked at the wisdom that she was describing, that's actually biblical wisdom. Um, now, that may seem to validate um, th this person's approach, but really, it just, for me, it just strengthens the notion of you, you never needed the psychology to begin yeah. with. Um, they, you know, the benefit that you got out, at least in that example, the benefit you got out of it was actually wisdom that I would argue you could, you could have gotten from the Bible itself. Um, it's just um, by the grace of God, uh, you know, he wrote what he wrote and he incorporated some real biblical wisdom there. And, uh, and, and sometimes that's uh, what we need is to just hear people explain biblical wisdom. You know, I don't believe that uh, the um, external methods are needed.
Yeah. And I, I think we realize, you know, talking about biblical counseling, I'm reminded of some conversations I had recently. Um, and, and I found this to be true over the years as I thought about it. I, I've often found uh, people, they'll go to secular counseling or uh, quote unquote Christian counseling, which most often just means that it's a secular counselor who is a Christian, not the same thing as no, biblical no. counseling. Um, and they will, um, it, 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 so secular counseling and maybe nothing even inherently Christian comes up, but they'll have a good experience. And so they'll, you know, they'll be for all for secular counseling. If they have a bad experience with a secular counselor, they'll just go to another one because they recognize that some counselors are just better than others, right? Yeah, um, right. And 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 they might go to three, four, five. Um, I mean, I I heard this these numbers recently even, and they'll just keep looking until they find one that they like, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, or one that they feel is is good. However, you go to a biblical counselor, and the, the, the same is true, right? I mean, some of us are gifted more strongly in that area than others. Um, I, I mean, I've, you can come across ones that just aren't really great, and it's probably not something that they should really focus on. But mm-hmm. if someone has one bad experience right, in biblical right. counseling, then all of a sudden, it's, I'm never going to do biblical counseling again. I'm going to the world. Um, right, right. It, which is which is very interesting, um, but but those are good questions to to ask. So even uh, applying scripture, um, I mean that's really applying the sufficiency of scripture to your life and all it your is. problems, right? Uh, yeah. If you're struggling with something, I mean, let me just say that th- this is fundamentally the job of the pastor. I I don't know where in time we've gotten away from pastors not shepherding their people in that way. Um, But if you, uh, let me just say this as strongly as I think I possibly could. If you're a pastor and you feel like you can't walk people through um, their issues and situations with the Bible, then get out of the pulpit. Uh, You're a speaker. You're a preacher. You're not a pastor. You can't mm-hmm. shepherd people um, if you haven't learned how to bring scripture to bear in the lives of the people. Uh, and so we've kind of gotten where we have a culture in the church of, um, you know, we preach Sunday morning, we'll we'll do other things in the church. But if you have real issues, well, I need to send you somewhere. And yeah. and most often it ends up being secular counseling, right? Yeah. Um, right. And, and so I don't know. I it, no wonder people are confused. Because we tell them scripture is sufficient, we tell them that the God God's word renews them. We tell them that uh, the Holy Spirit is sanctifying them. Uh, but then, when they have what they would deem as real problems in life, we say, "Oh, well, what you need is not the church; you need the world." Um, yeah. This is why people are confused. Uh, but if we just apply the sufficiency of scripture to our lives, the only conclusion is that um, we need scripture. And if you're in a place where you know the, the leadership just can't do that, they can't work uh, through your problems in the Bible, then they, they may be wonderful, they may be lovely people, but then go find a church, a different church. Um, no. and, and, and even for their sake, lest they have to give an answer for your soul, uh, and they couldn't really care for your soul. And I'm not putting down or demeaning those pastors, but this is one, I mean, this is a part of shepherding, right? Yes. Um, none of us are perfect. Like I said, some do it better than others. That's all fine. Uh, we all have our own personalities in which God works through and sanctifies, um, but it's still something every pastor, uh, every church should be able to do. At least you need shepherds on staff or in the church that can do those things. Um, you know, John MacArthur can't sit down and personally walk everyone in his church of whatever, yeah. 7,000 members. Um, 
but there's no shortage of uh, godly pastors and elders on staff who uh, can help folks walk through that. And that's what we need to look for. Yeah, and this is absolutely why theology matters. Um, if you go to a church with shallow theology, you're not going to be able to see the sufficiency of the scriptures because you're just being exposed to um, the very highest level of what's being taught in the scriptures. You're not seeing it in depth. You're not really thinking through all the ways that it could apply to our lives. You're not seeing the sovereignty of God at work. You're not seeing his attributes and his characteristics and, and all the ways that even the men of God um, you know, really um, struggled, but then were blessed by just trusting in God and seeing God work in their lives. If you're at a place that um, is not going very deep, uh, you will not gain an appreciation for the perfection and the sufficiency of Scripture for all things uh, needed spiritually. Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of wrap up, I want to go to just one other, uh, this would be a slightly longer one, but one other area of application that I think um, is going to be just so important uh, to the body of Christ in, in the future. I mean, it is important already. Um, but you think of uh, Paul's illustration of what the body looks like. Um, well, and he just used, and he uses that term body, right? We are the body mm-hmm. of Christ. So you read through First Corinthians, excuse me, twelve thirteen. Um, you, you see things like you know the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Um, you get uh, scriptures uh, speak of how iron sharpens iron. Um, constantly you see that uh, that we're meant to encourage one another, um, we're meant to hold one another accountable, we're meant to edify one another, we're meant to share our gifts. Um, and, and so this is just another way of you get to these scriptures and say, well, how, how does the fact that I'm a part of a body really apply to my day-to-day life? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and, and this is where we would... Um, you know, convince people that they need to be active members of a local church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as, as you know, believers experience more um, persecution in our own context here in America, um, as we, our government morphs and changes into, we don't know what yet, um, but it gets more restrictive, more totalitarian in nature. Um, we're going to naturally see the need for Christian community, uh, but it's far better to have that um, out of longing and the desire than out of need, uh, because then the, the heart is there. Um, but that's one way. So how, how do you function as the body of Christ? Well, um, you need to be a part of a local church, right? And, and not just attending occasionally, but there faithfully. Um, you're, you have no hope of learning how to apply the scriptures, of truly being renewed, being sanctified, if you are not active, uh, an active member of a local church and actually being the body of Christ. Um, I mean, just take that one passage that I cannot say to the hand. I think I posted something recently um, and said a lot of Christians are running around like thing uh, from Adam's family. Um, (laughs) If you're familiar with Adam's family, it's just a hand not attached to a body doing its own thing. Um, And if that's you, then you're not being the body of Christ. That scripture isn't applied um, in your life because you're kind of separating yourself. And we talked about this before. I think we have a whole episode uh, on church membership and why it's important. Um, but I think as time goes on, this is going to be more and more important. And so it, it, this is where you start learning um, how to pay attention to how your pastor preaches the sermons, uh, pay attention to the Bible studies and the things midweek. I mean, this is where you kind of learn how we do our studies, how you read the scriptures, how you interpret the scriptures, um, ask questions of your elders, your leaders, 
learn hermeneutics, um, and and then ask questions uh, that are necessary when you uh, you know are are wanting to apply these scriptures to your life. I mean, all of us, all of scripture should be being applied to our lives. None of it is just this kind of pie in the sky one day. It's all applicable for us now here on yeah. this life. Um, and God's given us everything that we need. You go to uh, Ephesians, so I think uh, 1 verse 3, maybe verse 4, um, it talks about the fact that he's given us every spiritual blessing yeah. uh, in, right. in the heavenly places. Um, God has not left us without anything. He's given mm-hmm. us absolutely everything we need to thrive, not just survive here, but to thrive here, not without difficulty, um, thriving doesn't mean we don't have persecution, doesn't mean we're not hated, doesn't mean there isn't difficulty, but it means we can overcome uh, and persevere through all of those things. Yeah, the Apostle Paul said he has learned the secret to contentment, whether he's given much or he's given very little. And just to add to your point and combine it with the fact that you need to be at a church that's really teaching the Word of God, uh, Ephesians 4.11, um, Jesus gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. And, and I recently um, reemphasized this point um, to the, the church I'm at just this past Sunday that as your, as your pastor, as a preacher, and as, t- as a teacher, as a counselor, I'm here to equip you guys. I'm, I'm equipping you guys for the work of service. And the word for service is the same word for ministry. I'm equipping you guys for ministry. And there's ministry both within the body and outside the body. But in this case, in verse 12, it says um, the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And verse 14, as a result, we're no longer children tossed here and there by all these uh, false ideas. But verse 15, speaking the truth in love, uh, we are to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And so, just to just to really kind of emphasize that spiritual community, this is what we're about. Uh, we're being equipped by the Word of God so that we can be in community with each other. And there are so many Christians, unfortunately, that I know about that spend more time with people at work or, um, you know, their own family, which I, I don't, you know, I don't fault people for spending time with their own family. But if your family is unbelievers, you got to remember that, hey, you have a family of believers. You are in the household of God now. And um, and, and don't make your your day-to-day um, time with people um, being to, to be spent with people outside the church more than inside the church. And if you are spending time with people outside the church, I, I hope and pray that it's with the goal of evangelism, bringing the gospel yeah. to them. But yeah, that community is so important because let's face it, life is hard. Um, there, there's a lot of trials in this life. There, there's a lot of things that are going to be thrown at us um, that, that are going to tempt us to despair and anxiety and then taking our eyes off of God. But we need that spiritual community to continue to rally around each other, to bear one another's um, needs, to, to uh, be diligent, to preserve that unity of Christ. Um, so spiritual community, that's, um, I, I believe every pastor that takes his role seriously is after this. They, they want spiritual community, not for their own sake, but because they know that this is what glorifies God. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well, I mean, I, I hope guys that this has been helpful to you. Um, again, we, we just wanted to kind of walk through some things to help people uh, develop the habit of asking good questions um, when faced with uh, challenges uh, in, in this world we live in. You, you need to know how to rightly apply the scriptures to your life. Um, And so, hope this was uh, good for you. We appreciate you guys. And until next time, let the truth be known. 
The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.